episode of the More Than That podcast. It has been quite some time since an episode was published, and there could be a variety of reasons for that with the different life transitions that have been taking place, Uh, but they all basically just boil down to excuses, uh, so I won't be going into those. However, I really do love being able to do this, and I'm excited to begin again. Uh, If you have listened before and are doing so again, I really do appreciate your patience and hope you enjoy this new season of the podcast. We have some exciting things lined up for this next little bit. If this is your first time, I'm thrilled for you to join the discussion. Actually, a big part of why we do this is to be able to hear from you about what you're thinking and about what you're searching for. And to do this, you can reach out through email at morethanthat66 at gmail.com or through Instagram at morethanthat. Now, usually we have a discussion format on a particular idea from the Bible. Uh, However, today I'm alone, and I just wanted to share briefly about a Christian's relationship with the past and how the past can at times consume our vision for the future. Now, to do this, I just want us to look very briefly at a story in Ezra. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Ezra chapter 3. To Ezra chapter 3. Now, just as a little bit of context, if you were to look at the first chapter in Ezra, you would see that Cyrus, the king of Persia, actually gives a command to the children of Israel to go back to their homeland to rebuild the temple of God that was destroyed by the Babylonians. Now, this in of itself is quite incredible, given that Cyrus is basically a pagan king, um, doesn't necessarily have any kind of relationship with God. But apparently, uh, through what we're told in chapter 1, Cyrus recognizes that he's on the throne only through the intervention of God Almighty. And as a result, he wants to send God's people back to to Jerusalem in order to rebuild this temple. So it's a pretty incredible situation already. Now, if if you're in chapter 3, we're going to be in verse 8. And it says, Now in the second year of their coming to the house of God at Jerusalem, in the second month, Zerubbabel, the son of Sheatel, and Jeshua, the son of Jehozadak, and the rest of their brothers, the priests and the Levites, and all who came from the captivity to Jerusalem, began the work and appointed the Levites from twenty years and older to oversee the work of the house of the Lord. Then Jeshua with his sons and brothers stood united with Kedmiel and his sons, the sons of Judah and the sons of Hedonad, with their sons and brothers of the Levites to oversee the workmen in the temple of God. Now when the builders had laid the foundation of the temple of the Lord, the priests stood in their apparel with trumpets, and the Levites, the sons of Asaph, with cymbals to praise the Lord according to the directions of King David of Israel. They sang praising and giving thanks to the Lord, saying, For he is good, for his loving kindness is upon Israel forever. And all the people shouted with a great shout when they had praised the Lord, because of the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. Now this is, this is quite the picture that is being painted here. The children of Israel, after quite some time, many years in captivity, they're allowed to go back to Jerusalem to begin rebuilding this temple. And I can just imagine that they're all gathered there on that day as the foundation is about to be completed. And as it's going to be completed, there you have everybody lined up. They have the priests there in all their garments. They have the musicians there in their garments with their instruments. And as that last stone is being laid in the foundation, they break out in praise because a miracle has just happened to them. A miracle has just taken place on behalf of the children of Israel, and everybody there is able to witness it firsthand. Now, that's, that's pretty incredible that they're able to do this. And it would be exciting, you would imagine, for the temple to be rebuilt. Finally, the children of Israel are going to get back their inheritance. Finally, the children of Israel, this, these people in specific, are going to be able to experience the presence of God once again. But something, 
something interesting takes place next. After we go through the story of how the, the foundation is being laid, everybody's gathered there, everybody breaks out in song, everybody's shouting with, a, with great praise for the Lord. In verse 12, it says, Yet many of the priests and the Levites and the heads of fathers' households, the old men who had seen the first temple, wept with a loud voice when the foundation of this house was laid before their eyes. While many shouted aloud for joy, so that the people could not distinguish the sound of the shout of joy from the, from the sound of the weeping of the people. For the people shouted with a loud shout, and the sound was heard far away. In the middle of all these people praising God, in the middle of this music that's taking place, in the middle of this shout of joy that just goes up spontaneously from the people as the foundation is completed, there are those among the crowd, the Levites and the priests, who had seen the first temple, had seen the first temple in all of its glory, who began to weep. And I believe we can reasonably expect, or we can reasonably say that the reason for this is because they remember what the first temple was like. They remember these like great alabaster walls that were there. They remember all the gold and finery that was there. They remembered how people came from far away to describe how great, or to look and to marvel and, marvel and to wonder and to say how great the, the Israelites were and how amazing the temple was. They saw it was one of the greatest structures of that time. And they saw all that firsthand. And now they see this foundation being laid in a city that's partly destroyed. And they're thinking to themselves, man, what used to be. <laughs> how great that temple used to be. And now look at this. Look at us now. Look at this temple that we're about to be, build. It's not as great as the one that came before. And they're, they're focused on what used to be, and it causes them to weep for sadness over what's about to take place, or what's going to take place with this new temple. And honestly, it's a quite understandable uh, reaction that these, these older priests and Levites are having. I think it's something that we have all gone through most recently, especially in the past couple of years as the pandemic happened and separated families and friends, as churches emptied for some time. And coming out of that, it's easy to look back and think, oh man, our church was so great before. Um, the churches are open now, but not necessarily everybody is coming back that used to come. Or businesses are open, but they're not necessarily experiencing the same level of um, or same level of profit as they were before. And it's easy to look back and to think about all the good times that took place. And it's just a natural phenomenon of the human mind to focus on the past with a sense of like nostalgia of what took place. And we kind of relive those experiences in our mind, wishing that we could go back and live them again. And but and that's not necessarily a bad thing. I'm not saying that the past is a bad thing. In fact, if you look at the if you look through the scriptural narrative, the past kind of gives us a sense of identity. Throughout the entire Old Testament, after the Exodus from Egypt, as the children of Israel experienced that great working of God on their behalf, that freedom from slavery that they experienced. Basically, every other book of the Old Testament refers back to that experience and, and basically say is, it re, helps them understand who they are in context to who God is because God did such a miraculous thing on their behalf before. It gave them a great sense of identity, and in, and in fact, it gives them a sense of destiny as well, knowing that they're going towards a goal, knowing that they are going according to God's plan for the future. That's the effect that the past can have on us, and it's a beautiful thing as well. However, we're seeing here in this story, and I think that what we're talking about here is that when we focus on the past to the exclusion of all else, when we, when we look back at the past with such fondness, at times it causes us to miss the miracle of God that's taking place here in the moment. 
these priests and Levites are experiencing something that the children of Israel haven't experienced in years. And yet they can't help themselves from comparing the old temple to the new temple and saying this isn't as good as what was. This isn't as good as what came before. And rather than rejoicing with the rest of the people about the miracle that's taking place right now, the miracle that God's present is, presence is with them right now, they look back at the past and think, oh, what used to be. And now Haggai actually has something to say about this. Haggai is another prophet in the Old Testament or in the Old Testament scriptures. And he has something to say in reference to this. And we're going to look at that in just one moment. Before we do that, I just wanted to share another quick example. Actually, I just, I just got done reading uh, the book, A Man's Search for Meaning, or Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl, who was a Holocaust survivor and who was in some of the worst concentration camps there were at during the time of the war. And he was a psychiatrist before the war and continued in his work after the war as well. And so what he wrote, wrote about his experience there in the concentration camps kind of gave uh, almost an out-of-body experience for him, I'm sure, as he was able to kind of diagnose and see what was happening with people um, and to himself from a clinical perspective, but also experiencing it firsthand. And he wrote something interesting that caught my attention as he uh, as he was writing. He talked about how everything kind of faded from existence, and they basically lived this animalistic lifestyle where the the way the guards treated him, the deprivation that they went through with food and sleep and warmth and all these different things, it caused them to just be focused on surviving, understandably. And he wrote interestingly about a group of people who they would begin as time went on, as they began to suffer more and more, they began to go, kind of go into these daydreams about what their past was like. They began to remember uh, all the good times that they had. They remember their spouses that are, were now dead, the kids that were now, they didn't know where, the houses that they had before it was all taken. And they kind of got lost in this stupor of remembering what took place. And we think that'd be a good thing because it kept their minds off of the, the suffering that they had. And it was good in that sense. However, he said that was one of the indicators that those people were going to be or were basically going to give up the give up the fight at some soon point. That as they began to focus more and more on the past, get lost more and more in those memories, their desire to live in the moment grew less and less. And it became one of the indicators that those very people who were remembering those things um, were soon going to pass away. And once again, I'm not saying that the past is wrong. It's wrong to remember the past. It's one of the things, like I said, that gives us identity. It gives us destiny. It's important to remember how God has worked in the past. But I, I sense a tendency within Christianity especially to always be wanting what happened in the past, to always be focused on what took place in the past. And we know that this is not our home. We, we talk about how there is something better coming, and yet we so often focus on what took place already. But God is coming again. That is the, the, entire, the, the entire good news of the gospel is that Christ has saved us, and not only has he saved us, he is coming once again to redeem us to himself, to bring us back to himself. There is something greater coming for us than has ever happened before in history. And that's exactly what Haggai uh, references. If you were to go to Haggai chapter 2, it is, I believe. It says on the 21st of the 7th 
month, the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet, saying, Speak now to Zerubbabel, the son of Sheatel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and to the remnant of the people, saying, Who is left among you who saw this temple in its former glory? So all those people that we just mentioned of as far as Zerubbabel um, and Joshua, all these different people, those are the same people that we read about just now in Ezra who were there at the consecration, concentra- consecration of this new uh, temple. So Haggai apparently was there as well, and he had a word from the Lord for them. He said, how, Who is left among you who saw this temple in his former glory? And how do you see it now? Does it not seem to you like nothing in comparison? God recognizes the struggle that these people are going through. He recognizes that, hey, listen, this temple is not as good as it used to be, is it not? The walls won't be as nice. The gold won't be as fine. All these different things are seemingly worse than they were before. But then in verse 4 it says, But now take courage, Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Take courage also, Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. And all you people of the land take courage, declares the Lord, and work, for I am with you, declares the Lord of hosts. As for the promise which I made you when you came out of Egypt, my spirit is abiding in your midst. midst. Do not fear. For thus says the Lord of hosts, Once more in a little while I am going to shake the heavens and the earth, the sea also, and the dry land. I will shake all the nations, and they will come with the wealth of all nations. And I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine, and the gold is mine, declares the Lord of hosts. The latter glory of this house will be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place I will give peace, declares the Lord of hosts. What a beautiful promise to these people who have been, who are now suffering, remembering what, how great that temple used to be. God doesn't rebuke them, condemn them. He just reminds them that the point of this temple is not the great walls. The point of this temple is not the gold and silver. The point of this temple is none of that. The point of this temple is that my presence will be with you forever. The point of the, the whole point of the construction of the sanctuary was so that God could dwell with his people. And he is saying, once more, I will do that again. I will fill this place with my glory which far outshines any, any kind of wealth that we might have. I will fill this place with my presence, and it will become a place of peace. And, and it might not seem like it now is what he's saying, but this place is going to be better than the one that came before. What a beautiful promise it is for the people who are struggling with understanding what's happening right now. And I would suggest that God is telling us the same thing right now that our lives not, might not be as good as they used to. Our marriages, we might look, to, look at and think, I remember when we used to love each other. I remember what, in the early days how it used to be. I remember when our churches were full before, the, before people started leaving, whatever it may be. God understands that. He looks at that and says, you know what? You're right. It might not be as good as it used to be, but guess what? My presence is with you right now. And what's coming will be better than what has happened before. When, God, when we allow the presence of God into our lives, when we focus on that rather than be consumed with the thoughts of, or, the or the circumstances around us, something incredible is about to take place. I would just encourage you, whether it be in your marriages, relationships with girlfriends, boyfriends, with your kids, and your churches, whatever it may be, it is the presence of God that matters most. And God is not a God that remains stuck in history. God is a God 
who is dynamically moving forward. God is a God who has a plan for the future. He has a plan for you and your family. He has a plan to do greater things for you than he has once ever done before. So keep focusing on his presence. Keep focusing on what he will do. Knowing that he has worked for you in the past, knowing that he has done all of this, that he has given his life for you, and knowing that even though he has given his life for you, something greater is yet to come. I just want to close by looking at uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. This, uh, this verse always has kind of stuck with me after reading it, and it's become one of my favorite verses. And I think it's something that in all walks of life we're able to hold on to. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17, it says, For momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the, which, for the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Now, it might not seem like it at the moment, but the Bible calls it a momentary light affliction. And that momentary light affliction that we might be experiencing now, the circumstances that we're going through now, are producing for us, it says, an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. God was not joking. He was not saying it lightheartedly when he said he has a place for us. He was not joking. He was not messing around when he said he has a plan for you. And so as we move forward in this life, the circumstances might not always align with what we were like. And the tendency is to look back to what happened before. But honestly, that is just misplaced anticipation. That feeling that we have inside of us, that angst that we have, that something needs to be different, that something's not as it should be, that is the correct feeling, except we place the emphasis on the wrong part. It's the correct feeling because this is not our home. Yet what is about to happen in the future is going to be so much better than anything we could ever imagine. So let not the problems of the moment lead us to be consumed with thoughts of the past, lest we miss the miracle of God that is taking place right now. Thank you once again for joining in to this episode of the More Than That podcast. We will once again be uh, posting every Tuesday at around 8 a.m. Uh, so hopefully you can start that day off well by listening into that. If you have any suggestions or thoughts or something that you're searching for or whatever it may be, please reach out. We always enjoy hearing. Um, we always enjoy interacting in that way. Once again, you can reach out for going through email at more than that 66 at gmail.com, or you can reach out through Instagram at more than that. Uh, we look forward to hearing from you. And we look forward to continue these discussions throughout this next year.